black truth, all black everything. We don't just ride the wave, we all black every day. Day, day, we all black every day. We all black every day. Black knowledge, black truth, all black everything. We don't just ride the wave, we all black every day. Day, day, we all black every day. We all black every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Black and Opinionated Podcast. I am your host, Antonio Carter, and here we are with part two of Tucson Louverture. Now, in part one, we give a little bit of background on Tucson. We also give a bit of information about how the Haitian Revolution transformed him and others to become the leaders that they needed to be during this time. Now here in part two, we're going to talk about how jealousy and envy and just having extreme confidence led to Toussaint downfall and eventually the breaking up of the French territories in America. As Toussaint busied himself with the building of fortifications, stocking of arsenals, acquisition of supplies, instructions, and discipline of the army, he spurred the agriculture inspectors to intense activity. He restored and embellished the cities and built bridges. He administered justice, kept an eye on the exercise of religion, visited schools, and distributed prizes to the best scholars. He frequently visited hospitals and barracks. It is difficult to sum up the amazing and extraordinary activities of Toussaint, who slept only two hours out of 24. His body, accustomed to the hardships of life, was entirely under the control of his will. Perhaps the most amazing accomplishment of Toussaint's reign was the integration of the white minority. Almost all observers have agreed that Toussaint had a way with the whites. General Vincent once said that races melt beneath his hands. Convinced that the country needed the technical know-how of whites, Toussaint went out of his way to quiet their fears. The whites, out of fear and love, reciprocated. When the black general made a triumphant entrance into Port-au-Prince, the whole populace turned out. Little white girls carrying baskets of flowers lined the parade route and pelted Toussaint and his staff. Priests, planners, and city officials walked up the road to greet him. Behind many of these functionaries were white women in elegant carriages and an honor guard composed of the planter's son. The next day, a delegation of planters, headed by the mayor, gave Toussaint a gold medal bearing his likeness and the words, After God, He. Later, doing a similar welcome to Le Cap, white men chose the most beautiful white women in the city to place a laurel on Toussaint's head. These women eulogized Toussaint in verses in which he was compared to Hercules and Alexander the Great. Though Toussaint ruled nominally in the name of France, 
She was in reality the military and political dictator of Haiti. This fact pain Napoleon, another man of great military ability and small stature. Napoleon had confirmed Toussaint's position, but saw him as an obstacle to the restoration of Saint-Domingue as a profitable slave colony. Napoleon did not have high opinions of men with dark skins. I would not leave an epaulet upon the shoulders of a single black, Napoleon said. Toussaint knew Napoleon despised blacks and planned to reinstitute slavery. He was also aware that Napoleon would seek to intimidate the island upon making peace with England. Therefore, he drilled a huge army and stored supplies. But there were other considerations. First, the French Empire was not big enough for two Napoleons. It irritated Napoleon when men compared him with the Black Council Toussaint and found parallels in their careers. Beyond all that, Toussaint was in Napoleon's way. You see, Napoleon had dreams of a vast empire in the Western Hemisphere. He needed Haiti and the slave labor to complete the plans he had for the Louisiana Territory. But Toussaint was throttling these plans. Therefore, Toussaint had to go. Yet Toussaint behaved ambiguously, venerating France, fearing Napoleon, aging and growing weary. He trusted no one and failed to clarify his purposes. He desired above all to prevent the restoration of slavery while preserving the society he had built. Europeans and mulattoes looked hopefully to France to repress the huge black majority. On the other hand, many black leaders, such as Moise, wanted to expel all Europeans and divide the plantations. Some blacks were alienated by Toussaint's disloyalty, his mysteriousness, and the occasional atrocities he thought necessary amid such dangers. In January of 1802, Napoleon sent his brother-in-law, General Charles Victor Emmanuel Leclerc, and some 25,000 soldiers to do the job, a far greater force than Toussaint may have previously expected. Toussaint fell back into the mountains and hurried Leclerc with a Scorch Earth campaign. Now, Scorch Earth campaign is a military policy that involves deliberately and usually widespread destruction of property and resources like houses, factories, vegetations, so that an invading enemy cannot use them. Toussaint instructed his subordinates to raid the roads, throw the bodies of dead horses in all the springs, destroy and burn everything. May they find an image of the hell they deserve. By 1802, Leclerc wrote to Napoleon advocating for a war of extermination, declaring that we must destroy all the blacks of the mountains men and women, and spare only children under 12 years of age. We must destroy half of those in the plains and must not leave a single 
black person in the colony who has worn an epaulette. Toussaint continued his scorched earth policy until his top generals, Henry Christophe and Dessalines, defaulted and went over to the French. Always a realist, Toussaint formally agreed to lay down his arms in exchange for Leclerc's promise not to restore slavery. Toussaint sued for a temporary peace and retired in honor to his plantation. Modern historians believe that the general was waiting for yellow fever to decimate the ranks of his enemies. Toussaint was a devout Roman Catholic, but there are reports that his faith weakened near the end. His nephew is authority for the story that the deposed general walked up to an altar in the village church and denounced it. You are the God of the white man, not the God of the Negroes. You have betrayed men and deserted me. You have no pity for my race. Hurling the marble crucifix to the floor. Like most conquerors, Toussaint was vain. In June, a letter came to his plantation that would appeal to his vanity. The letter under false pretenses of respectful terms invited Toussaint to a parley by French General Jean-Baptiste Brunette, one of Leclerc's aides. The letter asked, could Toussaint come to Brunette's headquarters for an important conference? You would not find all the comforts Brunette would like to put at his disposal, but you will find a frank and honest man whose only ambition is to promote the welfare of the colony and your happiness. Toussaint, normally a cautious man, took the bait. When he reached Brunette's headquarters with the cooperation of Leclerc and under orders from Napoleon, who suspected him of plotting and uprising, Toussaint was arrested, hurried on a ship, and dispatched to Fort de Joux in the French Jura Mountains. Napoleon, taking no chances, locked him up in a cell in a medieval fortress. Between April the 3rd and April the 7th of 1803, sitting in a straight back chair in a dank, dark cell far from the Haitian sun, Francis Dominique Toussaint Louverture, one of Haiti's greatest military conquerors and dictators died. After Toussaint's capture, the mass militia he had organized sprang into revolt. Harried by the heat, yellow fever, and black soldiers who materialized from nowhere and disappeared into nowhere, Leclerc resorted to wholesale slaughter and terror. If the French wanted to play with fire, Jean Jacques Dessalines was their man. Dessalines was volatile and relentless. He suffered in slavery, and he had scars to prove it. In him was a loathing for all Frenchmen. As a former aide of Toussaint, he had demonstrated a military genius second only to his master. As Toussaint's successor, he would issue a defiant challenge to the French. War for war, crime for crime, atrocity for atrocity. He would later organize a systematic extermination of white opponents of his new regime. 
as the war continued, blow for blow, crime for crime, Leclerc bombarded Napoleon with appeals for help. The black men, Leclerc wrote, die with a fanaticism that is unbelievable. They laugh at death. One French officer will write about a Haitian soldier who was nameless, who sacrificed himself by walking into the fire. He was greater than Musia Silvola, said the French officer. The Roman hero burned his own hand. The Negro thrust his whole body into the fire to show his enemies that he knew how to die. And these are the men we had to fight. It was only a matter of time until the hours ran out on Napoleon's men on November 28, 1803 at Vertier outside Le Cap. After Rochambeau surrendered, Dessalines ripped the white from the French tricolor, joined the red and blue, and proclaimed the Second Republic in the Western Hemisphere. The venture was doubly disastrous for Napoleon. The French lost 60,000 men and the rich colony, and Napoleon soured on the Western Hemisphere and sold the Louisiana Territory. Let us not remember Toussaint as a vain conqueror, second only to Napoleon Bonaparte. Let us remember him as a man who desired to prevent the restoration of slavery to Haiti, preserve the society he built, and sour the dreams of Napoleon of a vast empire in the Western Hemisphere by forcing him to sell the Louisiana Territory to America for four cents an acre, the biggest real estate bargain in history. As DeWitt Talmadge said, all of Indian Territory, Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, Wyoming, Montana, the Dakotas, most of Colorado, Minnesota, all of Washington and Oregon states, and Louisiana came to us as the indirect work of a despised Negro. Hope you guys enjoy episode three, part two of Toussaint. Please like, share, subscribe to the podcast, tell everybody about the podcast. Remember to always message me at blackopinionated and gmail.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Antonio Carter. Peace. We do it for the people, yes. We do it for the people, yes. Black and opinionated. Black knowledge, black truth, all black everything. We don't just ride the wave, we all black every day. Day, day. We all black every day. We all black every day. Black knowledge, black truth, all black everything. We don't just ride the wave, we all black every day. Day, day. We all black every day. We all black every day.